Well, good morning, Over Lake. Let's stand to our feet. We are going to worship Jesus this morning. We are so glad you're here. Let's enter the gates with praise.
So this week has been a little bit wild. Um, I think every week when I'm planning songs for Sundays, it comes pretty simple. Um, I just felt like this week I just could not figure out what songs to, to plug in. Um, I think summertime is a really special time with all of our church family together, and, um, and I just feel like every summer it feels like this, but it's just building and building and building into this beautiful experience as just a family to worship the Lord. And just, you know, this week, I finally got to sit down on like Tuesday morning, and I'm supposed to have songs in like pretty early so the team can rehearse and, um, and just be prepared. And, and the Lord just kept putting this song on my heart. And I think we just get in these motions of singing the same songs over and over and kind of not really thinking about what we're singing and we just get in that flow. And I think the Lord was just like, no, I want you to ask me how I would like to be worshiped. Um, and that might be a new concept when you haven't had to plan out songs for a whole church to sing. But if you would think, you'd stop and think, Lord, how would you like to be worshiped today? How can I please you? What would be a gift for you that would, you know, be a burning incense and be sweet to you? And so this song came up and um, that, you know, we've done little bridges of it and stuff here and there, but we've never done the full song. And it's just a song that declares out Jesus, um, his name, his power. Um, and see, I'm not afraid, you know, it takes you to kind of a deep place, a little bit of a spiritual warfare. And um, when I was a young girl, I learned the name of Jesus. Um, I think before, because my family wasn't a, weren't Christians, um, but I learned the name of Jesus because there was just so much darkness around my childhood. Um, I just come from a really broken home. My parents were drug addicts. Um, my dad was shot and killed by one of my mom's boyfriends um, when I was five. And then from there, we were dropped off at people's homes and me and my brothers and my sister. And um, even from there, my sister passed away when she was two. So just a lot of abuse, a lot of pain in my life. And I only say that because the name of Jesus has always been powerful and amazing to be with me and to push back darkness and to make sure that I know I'm never alone, that he's always been with me. And I just think we all have experienced pain and hurt in this world. And we can get comfortable, you know, now I'm in a safe home, I have a wonderful husband, I have a beautiful house. I've got my kids who will never, ever, ever experience the pain that I've experienced to that degree or in that way. And I can forget like how much I need him or I get comfortable in my nice car. Um, and just this week, I got a phone call about someone in my family that is repeating some of those steps that we experience as kids. And, um, and this song just became even more powerful, like that we need him and this world needs him and we need his name. And the only thing we need to do is declare out his name 
and seeing the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? Good, good, good. So we have a rough plan of this song, but we also just want to worship Jesus this morning. We're going to take some time. We're going to push out of the box a little bit, and we're just going to focus on him. Let's ask him how he would like to be worshiped. And allow him to let your heart intercede for a minute. Allow him, let, allow his spirit to, to speak to some of those painful places. And just, just seeing the name of Jesus over people in your life, over this world and what it's going through. So we're just gonna really worship this morning. Jesus, how would you, how would you like to be worshiped today? We want to come in with thanksgiving and lifting your name, the name above all names, the bringer of peace, the calmer of the storm, the mountain mover, our mighty tower, rock our salvation. May this room be filled with your glory. May your name be found on every tongue in this place. It's Jesus, 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 how we love you, Lord. The fear must go, the pain must go.
truths, powerful truths that we get to declare this morning over our lives, over the person sitting next to us, over the family member that we have. It's encouraging that we get to be together, amen? Hey, it's great to see you all this morning. My name's Connor. I'm the young adults pastor here at Overlake. So glad that you decided to join this beautiful Sunday morning here. This is crazy. I swear, it's over these last, these next few weeks, like the sun makes you think you're living in the promised land, and then you endure nine months of wilderness is, I think, the way it works here. Uh, it's great to see you all. Real quick, stay standing. I want to direct your attention to the connection card that was in your handout when you walked in here this morning. Um, this is really one of the ways that we help get connected to you. We can help walk alongside you with the things that you're going through right now. There's a bunch of different ministries here at Overlake that are for you, that are a place for you to be able to call home. There's um, prayer requests. There's space right here to write prayer requests. We'd love to be able to join you in whatever's going on in your life and be able to pray for you. So I want to encourage you to take a look at this and fill it out. And at the end of service, there's going to be some giving buckets that you can place in there. And if this is, uh, if you're new here to Overlake, if this is uh, your first time with us this morning, welcome. So glad that you're here. Can we just give them a big welcome, Overlake? Can we make some noise for, for those who are new? Glad that you are here with us. You, uh, you please hold on to this connection card, fill it out, and after service, you can drop it off in the lobby right outside. We have a gift, just our way of saying thanks for joining us. We're glad that you're here. Uh, why don't we do this? Let's take a moment, say hello to the person next to you, give them a high five, a hug, or a handshake, and um, we'll be right back here in just a moment. Good morning, Overlake. Good morning, good morning. Well, uh, we, we find ourselves in week five. We're halfway through this summer journey together. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun morning. I'm, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And, and I'm curious. I want to get a pulse on the room on something. So, so raise your hand. Be brave if this is you. Uh, who, in, who, who in the house, you would consider yourself a bit of a thrill seeker? Like, like there's something about a brush with danger that you kind of enjoy. That like a little, you're maybe even an adrenaline junkie. I don't know. A, a few, a few hands raised. Maybe, maybe you're like into cliff jumping or skydiving or, or you, you're, you're the first one to try double backflips when you got a trampoline as a kid. Uh, at, youngest kid I've ever seen do a couple awesome backflips is actually this little guy. Check this out. Saw this this week. Whoa. Oh, man. Oh, yikes. Yikes! I guarantee you, 
I would be dead. If, if, if that guy were me and that were Sailor, I'd be done. I would be grounded for life. Uh, I get in trouble just letting Sailor do this. We go down and we, we, we kind of, I let him climb up on the railing and we're looking at things like frogs and turtles. And, and all the time, people come by, they're like, aren't you afraid he's going to fall in? And I'm like, right there, I promise. Like, I am right there. And, and, and every once in a while, he does get pretty close. So I can understand. There's a little bit of danger. But, but, but what we're looking at, what we're discovering, and, and really, it's the season that my wife and I are in with Sailor. He's just like, he's, he's fearless. He, he has no idea of danger. Like, he's, he's still trying to, he's still kind of catching up as to what's going on. He, he doesn't realize not every bug is to be played with. Like, like black widows, you don't just play with them, Sailor. They're like, get rid of it. Uh, he, he's in the whole darting stage where he just kind of starts running off. And it's like, bro, there's cars. Like, there's danger out there. Or, or even we're having to teach him, like, even at the baseball game, there's, like, things like foul balls. And, and, and there's things out there like country music. And, and there's, 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 there's people. There's people that root for teams. I know it's crazy. There's people that root for teams like, like the Patriots and the Yankees and the Oregon Ducks. Like, like. Like, there's danger out there. There's danger. And what we find ourselves in, we're going to do something that, that I don't know I've never done before. We're, we're, we're going to look through three chapters of Acts, and we're going to realize what the church is realizing. That there's danger out there. The first four books, or four books, uh, the first four chapters, conflict, danger, it's on like a simmer. It's on like a, it's on like a low simmer. Like, things aren't, aren't, aren't just like carefree. But they're about to get cranked up to a boiling status by the time we hit chapter 7 here. And so if you want to follow along, you can grab a, a Bible in the seat back in front of you. That's uh, the same version I'll be reading out of and same version that's on your notes if you want to take notes and on the screens as well. But we find ourselves in Acts chapter 5. We'll start in verse 1. I always like starting in verse 1. Uh, but uh, we'll, 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 to catch you up in case it's your, your first time with us... Uh, all you need to know is that there is a movement happening. There are people that have seen, that are, that are eyewitnesses of the fact that Jesus has lived a perfect life, died, and then rose again. And this news is spreading. And people are all in. People are totally following the, the ways of this Jesus, uh, the, 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 his teachings. And they are devoutly committed to one another. They are like crazy committed to one another. In fact, we've seen this multiple times. They're treating each other like family. It's this whole new community. There's actually no need within the family. They're, they're, if there is a need, they just figure it out. They share things. They, they share things like meals to start with. And then homes and cars and air miles and camping gear and sports equipment. And anything that they have, they share with others. And in case there's a need too great for sharing to meet the need, they sell stuff. They liquidate their property, they take the proceeds, and they make sure that that need is dealt with. It's a heart, it's a vision, it's a passion I have to see played out and lived out here in our context, here at Overlake. Uh, even, even the founders of Overlake, when they gathered and they were praying about this new church that would start, they were praying Acts. That this would be a church like the church in Acts, and that's what we're looking at. 
So we're in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, and I have to say this may be the strangest story in the whole New Testament. There's a lot of different angles to go with this one, a lot of different commentaries that address it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. But Acts chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. So, so they're in it. They're like, they're doing this thing. They're selling some property and, and he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. So there's some dishonesty going on here. Uh, a little dishonesty. And it just so happens it's with his wife's consent he kept the rest. So they're in it together. There's a little collusion going on. Then, we're in verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. And so here he's called out. I'm sure Ananias is a little shocked. There's a, there's a gift, it's mentioned in scripture, called a, a, a word of knowledge. Where even though no one has spread the news, even though this is just a deal made between him and his wife... The Spirit may speak to someone else of what's going on. And it seems like that's what's happened here. So what's the issue? Is it just that Ananias wasn't generous enough? Or, or, or what's going on? We'll, we'll read a little further. The property, this is what, again, Peter is telling him. Verse 4, the property was yours to sell or not sell. So, so really, Ananias, you had an option here. You didn't have to sell your property as you wished. And after selling it, so even after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. So again, this theme of lying is what's being addressed here. It's less of a lesson on generosity. Luke has hit that. Luke, by the way, is the author. And, and, and if you've read his gospel, again, you see this come up over and over again. Luke talks more about money and possessions and, and, and caring for the poor and the least of these than, than any other gospel account. And we've seen it show up multiple times already in the first few chapters. So generosity has been addressed. And, and, and in case you've missed it, what, what, what Luke's getting at and what I've myself encountered and realized, and I know many of you have, is the more that you fall in love with Jesus, Amen. the longer you follow Jesus, you just become more generous. It just happens. It's a byproduct. You begin to realize and recognize the grace, the generosity with which you've been shown. And it just begins to course through you. It just begins to be lived out. So Luke's already dealt with that. What he's speaking to and what, what this is teaching us is something a little different. And we'll end it right here. It says in verse 5, as soon as Ananias, and this is where it gets a little crazy. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Yeah, I, I'd be scared too. You're lying and then you're dying. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting cold turkey if I'm dealing with lying in my life. Like, that's a, that's a little freaky. That's a little alarming. That's a little, a little wild. And Luke, he's a physician, but he doesn't give us uh, like the medical records of Ananias. His wife ends up dying a few verses later. Same thing. Gets called out. She falls down dead. It's like, it's a bit crazy. I don't know if they had a pre-existing condition and just the stress of being found out. They just like triggered a crazy heart attack. I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is what's said right there. And so there's something wild going on. And so what is one of the dangers that we should be mindful of? And it's this, in case you want to fill in your notes. We need to beware of the danger that can come from within. 
We need to beware of the danger that can come, can reside from within. Not just within the church, but within each and every one of us, within our hearts. This, this is a danger that's very covert. It's, 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 it's very hard to see. It's very hard. It's not, not tangible because it has to do with things like motives and desires. It has to do with things that kind of, uh, kind, of, kind of start at a heart level but then move out into action and into words. And what we're seeing here, and it's in verse 3, we see this phrase, Why have you let Satan fill your heart? That's the danger. Who has our hearts? Who's ordering the desires in our life? And that's where we need to beware of the danger of what can happen of our hearts. What happens if we end up with ill motives, with things that are not in alignment with God and his ways, his will, his love, is, is that then we're actually opposing those very things. And, and, and it's almost like you begin to be frayed a little bit. There's this untethering. Your, your motives are one thing and maybe you start talking another. Maybe, maybe even your actions are yet another. And, and you begin to get caught up in plain pretend. And that's, that's what Eugene Peterson calls Ananias and Sapphira in, in the message paraphrase. He says, these were pretenders of the faith. We have to beware that, that, that our words and our actions, perhaps our social media posts, don't become driven by motives like wanting people to like or be impressed by us. Perhaps that was what was fueling Ananias and Sapphira. Or wanting to appear in control, or wanting to pretend a problem doesn't exist, or wanting to protect an image or project an image that's incongruent with reality. And ultimately, you're playing pretend. You're lying, not just to yourself, not just to others, but to God. And this is something that, 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 that again, the church, this can cripple the church. When you look at when the church is at its worst, it's when hypocrisy is at its highest. It's when there's dishonesty. It's when there's inauthenticity. And so that's what we learn here. When the church is at its best is when it has its act together, when it's just living out authentically, when it's, when it's speaking what it believes, when it's doing what it believes. The minute those things start to get misaligned, the witness of the church, the power of the church is, is, is kind of quenched. And so the last verse in this, in this first opening uh, kind of paragraph of chapter 5 says, Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Again, not surprised. Not surprised. Two people lied, two people died. I'm not playing that game. Like, like I guarantee you, the church was its healthiest, was most authentic once the, once the word of this story got out. It, it reminds me a little bit. Maybe this happens to you. If I ever see someone pulled over or I see cop lights, I'm like, man, I'm a good driver. I, I even have like the best posture I've had in years. Like just sitting up, 10 and 2, I'm turning the blinker, the mirror, the everything. Like I actually, I'm so hypervigilant, I become, I, 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 I am, I'm convinced I become a worse driver. I am so trying to be a good driver. I'm stopping in the middle of arterials, waving people in, like, hey, yeah, tell you. Like, I'm breaking all kinds of laws, like trying to be good. Like, yeah. guys, guys, I think the church was awakened up a little bit. And I think that's a bit of what the story does, is it forces us to ask. It forces us to, to really listen to the spirit and submit and say, all right, Lord, what is within me? What is within me? Fill me with your spirit. Allow the filling of your spirit to displace everything else. 
And so that's really where it starts, is, is recognizing, yeah, there's danger out there, but the danger starts with what could happen from within. And so the church, it goes on this huge, like, kind of growth spurt coming out of, out of, out of the story of Ananias and Sapphira and, 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 and the apostles and, and believers. They're doing miracles. And, 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 and so we come across in verse 12, it says, The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. You've got to picture what's going on here. And you got to kind of understand how the temple's set up a little bit. When, when, when you think temple, you might be thinking like Overlake, like a building. The temple is like an area. It's like a section of the city within Jerusalem. It's dozens of acres. It's, it's got multiple buildings, multiple kind of porticos, mo- multiple like kind of coverings, patios. And so what's happening is the apostles, they're, they're Jewish. They're still going to the prayer times. They're, they're, they're still living into their, their faith very much. And then they hang around and they preach the gospel. And if people are sick, and, and the sick are coming, the sick are coming, it says from all over, uh, all over the surrounding regions and villages, and, and, and actually verses before us, it says, and everyone was healed. Like, like it's, it's crazy what's happening. So, so imagine what's going on here. You have, you have the religious leaders, you have those that their full-time job is, 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 is as, a, as a Jewish rabbi or leader or priest, and they're seeing that there is something going on. That, 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 that the main show has become what's going on over here in Solomon's colonnade by these apostles. It'd be like going to, to, to Seattle and, and you're outside of a, of a concert venue. I was at the Paramount yesterday. My wife and I went to a show. Uh, don't get jealous. It was the Wiggles. So it was, it was filled with screaming toddlers and all kinds of germs. And we were doing the propeller. And, you know, like... Like it, 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 but it was the Paramount, so, so we'll pretend. So, so let's say, let's say at the Paramount, the headlining act becomes less popular than some street musician outside. That the action's happening out front. And, 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 and so there's a little bit of jealousy going on. There's a little bit of anger. I mean, if it wasn't popular, no big deal. But now they're drawing crowds. Now people are talking about them and not, not, not what's going on, not, 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 not the great sermon that was given inside the temple that day. And it says this in verse 17, the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested, this is how you fix any problem. Let's arrest them, right? Let's just remove them. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But, and I love this, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told him, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. I love it. It's like the spirit shows up with a couple like monopoly cards and is like, hey, getting out of jail free. Like, and, and, and so that's what happens. They're, they're, they're busted. They're out. They're lifted out. And nobody knows the difference. Nobody knows. Like the next day when, 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 when the religious officials are getting together, someone has to tell them the news. Hey, you know what's crazy? Like, I, I saw you arrest these guys yesterday. They're actually teaching. They're down. They're down. They're, they've just kind of made themselves back at home in the same spot. They're relentless. They're sold out. So religious leaders, they've got to get a little, like, a little more, like, strategic now. They're like, okay, so arresting, not working. 
Let's try talking to them, okay? So, so let's just ask them to stop. Let's just tell them, hey, guys, you got to shut it down. If you want to teach this, take it 30 miles up the road, wherever you want to go, but just not in the temple, not in the temple. Come on. And here's what Peter says. This is in, in verse 29 now. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. If you've ever been involved in direct action, nonviolent protest, this is your verse. This is what Martin Luther King appealed to right here. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on the cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. And th those terms, those titles, those are, those are politically loaded. To be able to call Jesus Prince and Savior. They're, they're theological and they're also political. They're saying our allegiance is to Jesus. Not to Caesar. Not to some empire. These are terms that even Caesar would go by. People would call Caesar these things. And they're saying, no, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He did this so that the people of Israel, which would be them, the people they're talking to, would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things. They've, they've seen them. They know these. They've, they've, they've broken bread with the resurrected Christ. They've heard him teach. And so is the Holy Spirit. They're like, guess who's on our side? Uh, God. Right? Just throwing that out there. Who is given by God to those who obey him. Peter and the apostles are essentially saying, okay, if you're going to make us choose to listen to you or to listen to God... Just know we're going to go with God. We're going, we're going with God. We're going with where the Spirit's leading us. If the Spirit's going to tell us to say something, we're going to say it. That's, just, that's, the, that's, that's our MO. That's how we roll. And so this is where they avoid a danger that they could have stepped into. And the church has stepped into throughout different eras. And different church leaders have stepped into. And it's this. And, and so if you're taking notes, again, here, here's your fill-in. There is the danger of misplaced allegiance. Misplaced allegiance. This could be where maybe, I mean, I mean, play this out a little bit. Like revisionist thinking here. Like what if Peter and the apostles would have been like, okay, we'll do what you said. We'll stop. I think Acts would have been a very short book for one. Uh, I, I don't know if we would have been here. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the spirit would have figured it out, right? Find some people with a backbone to human authority, fill them, and they'll, they'll get it done. But but here is, again, a danger is who has our allegiance? Whose voice matters most to us? Who is the one in a place that influences what we believe, think, do, and say? Peter and the apostles' greatest allegiance is to Jesus and being led by the very spirit that filled, empowered, and raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit. Allegiance is huge. Whoever has it really is how your life is directed. So again, this is where we submit. We ask the Spirit to really read our hearts, to ask us, to, to help us kind of discern who has our allegiance. Is it your parents or your boss, your spouse or another loved one? Who has your highest allegiance? Is it a spiritual leader or your country or one of its leaders? Or is it your preferred news out, uh, network or, or one of their personalities and talking heads? Or is it a codependent relationship that you're in? Or simply yourself? 
Your allegiance, all you care about is just you, whatever you think. You allow that to form. You're, 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 you're kind of turned inwards. But again, ask the Spirit, who has my allegiance? And if it's not Jesus, let's recalibrate. Let's make sure that it's his voice, his ways that lead us, not anyone else's. And as they're deciding what to do, so here's, the, here's now the talking approach. The jail didn't work, the talking approach of like, hey, we'll just ask him politely. That was a no. Um, now the idea, someone's pitching the idea, I know what we do. It works like 99.99999999% of the time. Uh, I mean, maybe Jesus beat this one, but we'll kill him. Let's just kill him. We'll just off the guys. It'll be done. It'll be great. Works good. And, 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 and this, 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 this one Pharisee, Gamaliel, he actually speaks, and, and he's well-respected, it says. He's well-respected am, am, amongst the, the leaders in the room there. And so you can kind of hear him kind of speak with probably these, these wise words. And, and he reminds them. He kind of lets them know. He, he kind of talks through. He's like, well, historically speaking, this isn't the first time something like this happened. Let, let, let me re remind you youngsters. I've been around for a little while. Let me remind you youngsters. We've had some different leaders crop up that have kind of started a little following. And, and you know what? They fizzled out. Yeah, people you gave up. They, they faced headwinds. The leader died, and, and it was over. So here's what Gamaliel, well, here's what he offers. Here's his advice. He says this. So now, uh, verse 38, he says, So my advice is leave these men alone. Leave them, just leave them alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But, and this is, this is crazy. He kind of throws it out. He's like, but, you know, if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. And you, you see this. This kind of sets a little bit of the tone throughout the rest of, of, of the book of Acts. That anything that comes in opposition to the church just doesn't win. It doesn't work. The church continues to grow and expand. Even when you kill the Christians. It just like, is like blowing like, 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 like oxygen into a flame. It, it, it just takes off. Like, and so Gamaliel, he doesn't even know. Or, or maybe he knows. But the Spirit's speaking through him here. He doesn't know how right he is. To oppose the church is to oppose God. And then we intro and we kind of enter into Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And this is one of the shortest, one of the shorter chapters in the book. And, and, and Luke writes this. He says, and, and again, the church is continuing to grow. Amazing things are happening. And, and then it says, but... But as the believers rapidly multiplied, so again, there's growth, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the church is doing something right. It's caring for the vulnerable. It's, it's caring for the widows who are not able to, to, to meet their own needs. And, and, and Jerusalem's a little funky because a lot of people would show up there in their old age because you want to die there to be buried there. And so, and, and, and so there's, there's, there's some huge needs. So the church is doing good meeting some, some food needs when it, when it comes to the widows. They're, they're totally missing it when it comes to how to do that, how to go about that. And discrimination has set in. Now you have the Hebrew-speaking women. Hey, you're first in line. Greek-speaking, oh, back of the bus. 
You have, you have this, this sorting out. You have this favoritism playing out. You have those that are, that are kind of uh, uh, given privilege and those that essentially become the victims of the system that's employed. And this leads to another danger. And, and again, in your notes, it's this, if, you, if you're jotting these down, is that there is danger in accommodating inequity. There, there, there's danger in, in making space for, in, in allowing injustice to exist. The, the, the church is to live in a way where we eliminate all injustice. But if it's happening within the body, that cripples the witness. It's like gangrene. It's like you're, you're, you're rotting from the inside out. It's like, it's like you, you can't allow this to happen. We've got to fix this issue. We've got to fix this issue of, 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 of the food and, and how it's being divvied out and, and who's getting it and, and the quality of it and the quantity of it and, and all those questions. And, and, and in the past year, I've, I, I was kind of reflecting on just even this idea and just thinking through, like, in, in my, 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 uh, my little journey, journey through seminary, just, just some of the books and some of the papers I've had to write and just, just realizing, like, wow, this is continuing to really cripple the church at, at, at a variety of intersections, at a variety of places, and, and I'll actually, uh, after, after the message, I'll, I'll post on, on, online on my Facebook and Instagram uh, uh, five books that, that, that if you want to continue to do some, some, some good learning uh, on, on these particular areas, get them. Get them and read them. Wrestle with them. But some of these, to, to list a few, some of the inequities, some of the injustice uh, that, that, that is continuing to be confronted in the church as a whole and, and, and within this body as well, uh, lays at the intersections of race, economics, gender, age. And another in particular, in looking at the ministry to and with the able-bodied compared to ministry to and with persons with disabilities. And I'm encouraged. I feel like there's some movement happening in each and every one of these areas. Uh, starting places, awakening up to it, is, is realizing what's going on. And then it's moving towards it. The previous danger we saw was avoided. Other ones you have to confront head on. You just have to deal with. And I'm encouraged. I was, I was reflecting three weeks ago, three weeks ago today was the disability dinner, our first disability dinner that we hosted here at Overlake with, with Bridge Disability Ministries, a, a local nonprofit here. And, and it was so beautiful. It was so awesome to, to, to see just, it was, it was acts. It was, it was people sharing a meal together. It was everyone, everyone celebrated, everyone valued, everyone included. And, and, and we were singing happy birthday to those that had birthdays that month. And, and, and we were enjoying some dessert. And there were just hugs going around and, and a good encouraging word. And, and in particular, keep that picture up. But on the left, the, the guy standing there, I just want to say a huge shout out to Steve Andrews. This is an overlay. He's one of our own. Yeah, let's thank Steve Andrews. Talk about generosity. Steve has invested, has given so much of his time and his talent to help make this even possible. And so while it may be a small and simple step forward, it's a significant one. And, and it really, it, it continues to, to, to give us this vision and direction of, of not just doing ministry to people with disabilities, but doing ministry with people with disabilities. 
And so again, this is one intersection point. I could have picked any of these other ones, and there's movement happening there as well. So what Acts shows us, and, and this should be encouraging, I'm encouraged by this at least, is the church is not perfect. The church is not perfect. There's going to be things that come up. What's so nice is the Spirit helps in the perfecting process. The Spirit gives wisdom and guidance and leadership, and the Spirit will lead. That these things can be overcome. And, and we see that happen as to how they figure out how to address this food situation. And that the idea was this. Hey, we'll pick, we'll pick seven guys. And, and, and interesting enough, each of the seven names uh, are Greek. It's like when you think about it. Like, like I think they were astute to think we need to pick people that are actually in solidarity with those who are actually not having the privilege of the others. We need to ensure that those that we select, that those that are in leadership, those that are making the calls, actually understand what it means to not accommodate inequity, but to seek justice and to make things right. And so they sort it out. And it says it here in verse 5. And it says everyone liked this idea. Good. We always like when people like, like ideas that the church has. They're, they're few, but this one everyone liked. And they chose the following. So here's the seven names. You have Stephen. And in parentheses, I love this. Check out what Stephen gets. This this little note added to his name. Nobody else gets this. He gets this. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Luke, he wants to make sure you get that. He, he, He drops it in there at least three times. If you're to read uninterrupted, six through seven. Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. And what he gets isn't as cool, but he's an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. Great. Good for you, Nicholas. Okay. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And that's something that we institute too. Just this this symbol, this this commissioning, this blessing. So God's message continued to spread. Again, you got to get this theme. When there's danger, it's dealt with or it's avoided. And the church grows. That which is in opposition actually doesn't stop things. The church, it continues to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And, this is interesting, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So they're seeing things. The leaders in the various synagogues, the the, the leaders in, in, in the temple there, they're like, this is real. I think Emilio, I think he's right. I think this is of God. I'm going to follow Jesus. And that's what began to happen. And what we see is that, again, as I kind of mentioned earlier, danger gets cranked to a 10. It gets just totally cranked to a 10. And and that's what happens in Acts chapter 7. And and so I'm just going to briefly close Acts chapter 7 here. It says this, verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. So again, something to get. Stephen. Stephen's got the spirit all over him. Like like he he is a man of God. He's performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to bait with him. So picking a fight with, with Stephen. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they're like, they're trying to bring this guy down. It's like one on seven is what I picture in my mind. And he's just like, boom, rebuttal, boom, verse, boom, reference, boom, spirit, boom, wisdom. You know, like, and it's just like, oh, this guy's impenetrable. Like, what are we going to do? I know what we'll do. We've done it before. Let's lob false accusations. Always works. Like, so, so that's what they do. They're like, hey, you know what Stephen said? Stephen was running down Moses. Stephen was running him down. 
And if you know anything, like you don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't spit into the wind, and you don't mess with Moses. And they're like, they're like, this guy is dragging him down. And, and the temple, he doesn't he could care less about the temple. And, and let's, let's, let's maybe kill him too. Like, so it's getting crazy. It's getting heated. It's getting hot. And Stephen, it's a really long chapter. Read it. It's interesting. If you love the Old Testament, you'll love Acts 7. He shows them, okay, you want to know what I think about Moses? Let me start with Abraham, and I'll give you guys a little Moses. I'm going to take you back. And then he just kind of takes them all the way through. Like, and it's impressive. It's tight-knit. You can't, you, you can't poke holes in, in his views on Moses. What he does that's not so popular is he reminds him, he's like, oh, oh, so you're like in the synagogue of the, the freed slaves, which is probably attributing to Moses, probably why you like him so much, and he gave you the law for sure. So, so yeah, he's popular. Uh, let me remind you, you guys weren't always on Moses' side. Remember, yeah, he liberated you from Egypt, and then you kind of turned on him. You kind of wanted to go back. And actually, when he was up, and he was meeting with the Lord, and he was getting the, 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 the law and the, the commandments there. Uh, you guys kind of turned to some idols. So, so remember what you've done here a little bit. And what he does, he is so brilliant, so beautiful. And Luke, by the way, if you read Luke's gospel, he loves talking about Moses. Loves it. What, what, what he does here, and here's what Stephen's saying. He kind of lays Moses down. And then he kind of shows like, oh, could, could it be the same you've done with Moses, what you're doing with Jesus? That, that Jesus is the great liberator? Jesus is your deliverer? Jesus is your conqueror? And, and perhaps, just given your track record, you guys weren't great to Moses, but you sure weren't great to the prophets. I won't even go there. You killed a lot of them. But, <laughs> but could it be? Could it be you're, 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 you're falling into that same trap? You, 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 you want to do right, you mean to do right, but you got things just out of order. And they get so angry. This is what happens. Here's how this chapter concludes. Verse 54. I told you, it's a long sermon. It's like one of the longest chapters in there. So we're in verse 54. It says, The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. That'll teach him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, yes, always, Stephen, full of the Spirit, we know, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And that teed him off. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Key person. He'll come up later. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. We've heard something like that before, haven't we? He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Again, that sounds familiar. And with that, he died. Last fill-in is this, and wrap it up here. One danger we never have to fear is death. Is death. Death's done. It's been defeated. It's been conquered. It's dealt with. Amen. And here's Stephen in the face of death. He has, he, he's already talked about the gospel. Now it's on full display. 
Now it's on full display. He, he got where he was because of false accusations, much like Jesus. It's filled with the Spirit. When you think filled with the Spirit, Stephen, his, his words, his actions are laced with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's, that's Stephen in a nutshell. And that sounds like Jesus. And then killed. And in that act of being killed, absorbs the sin and the violence and returns it with what? Forgiveness. Love. Grace. I can think of no better way of responding to what we have outlined here than to actually respond, not just through song, but with partaking of communion as well. And so what I'd like to encourage you to do over like is stand with me. I'm going to pray in just a minute. But, but this is our chance to be reminded of maybe some dangers that need to be dealt with. Maybe some dangers within. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a misplaced allegiance. Maybe, maybe there's an injustice that, that you're aware of that you need to begin to confront. No longer accommodate. There's one thing and one danger not to fear at all because it's been dealt with. Death may be swallowed, Jesus, but it couldn't digest him. Jesus conquers the grave. And so as we come to the tables, as we worship, there's tables in the front, middle, back. Just know as you take a piece of the bread, the symbolism of that is connecting you to the cross. It, it reminds you that this is Christ's body, which has been broken for you. And as you take the little cup of juice, be reminded that this is the blood of Christ, which has been shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And there's no longer any fear of the danger of death, that you are forgiven and you are alive in Christ's name. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for what we see in these three chapters of Acts. We don't wanna live in fear of danger that's out there. We want to be filled with the wisdom of how best to deal with it. Would you make this a church family like what we see in the book of Acts, filled with love, filled with power? And Lord, would you remind us we have, we have really nothing to fear when we have you. And so as we come to the table, remind us of that truth. Remind us of what it is that you've done for us on the cross. You have conquered death. Your name.
Timberlake, you can go ahead and take a seat. You can take a seat. In, uh, in just a few moments, we're going to continue in worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. If you haven't already gotten a chance, uh, be sure to fill out that connection card. You'll be able to put those in the buckets here in just a moment. But I, I really love this picture of a unified church that, that Pat offered us this morning. And, and I think it's so fitting we talk about this this morning after something like we experienced last Sunday. And if, if you were with us, you'll know that we got to celebrate um, this International Sunday that we get to do every year. And, and just celebrating all the different backgrounds and ethnicities and people groups that are here at Overlake, that call Overlake home. So what I want to do right now is I want to invite the ushers forward um, to gather and collect the tithes and offerings this morning. And while they're doing that, why don't you go ahead and turn your attention to the screen. And uh, we have a video highlighting what happened last Sunday. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, man, that was some beautiful playing. That was some beautiful piano playing. I think I've heard you at the mall before. I don't know. That was... <laughs> really drew my attention in. It was great. It was really great. Hey, uh, a couple things before we get out of here. Um, Oh, this Sunday is the start of our park parties, and I'm sure you've gotten a chance to hear about it. We got two park parties happening this afternoon, and it's really a way to gather people together in community, people who are local to certain neighborhoods and areas. And I think this morning we have a, a Redmond park party happening and a Kirkland park party happening. And uh, last I heard, last I heard, there's like a little bit of competition, and uh, Kirkland's just a smidge behind. So those of you who live in Kirkland, you're all invited. There there is some info in your handouts with uh, the time and place and people who are hosting it. We'd love to see you there. They're happening throughout the summer over the next few weeks. Really just a way to get people together who are all in the same community, get people meeting each other, spending time with each other, stuff like that. So 
would love to see you there. And lastly, um, if through this morning, if there was something that the Lord was really putting on your heart, if there's something that you want prayer for, we offer that here. You can uh, take, you can write that down on the connection card if you haven't already. Um, there's a place upstairs, the second floor lobby, just to the left. There's a prayer room right there, and we'd love to be able to pray for you. Love to be able to just sit with you and talk you through, and and really walk with you through through prayer. What uh, whatever it is that the Lord's kind of putting on your heart. So that's available for you there. Let me pray a blessing over us as we leave this morning. Uh, would you join me? So Overlake, would you be blessed and would you walk out of this place empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit to live as lights in your community, in your places of work, in your families, in your groups of friends, bringing the light of Christ, the love of Christ, and the grace of Christ into every area that we occupy. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, Overlake. Have an amazing week. We'll see you soon.